The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Philippians chapter 4. This morning, uh, we're going to just do a quick review from last week, and I mean it's just a really a, a high-level overview of what we talked about. We talked about last week about restoring our joy. And as we talked about restoring our joy, we uh, looked at four things that Paul dealt with when it came to restoring our joy, and they all had to do with the church. And within the church, as he talked about restoring joy, he laid out some ideals about how we as Christians can have the joy of our salvation restored. And in that, he said there needs to be involvement with one another in the church. That's one of the ingredients that Paul said we needed. The second thing, he says, we need to have confidence in God, that we can find joy and confidence in God. The third thing he said is we need to have affection for our fellow believers. And lastly, he said, we need to pray for one another. Do you notice that Paul Paul says for us to really have that Christian joy, it takes involvement in a community of Christian believers. And he three times says... Be involved, have affection for one another, pray for one another. And he's talking to this church at at Philippi, and he uh, understands where they are, and he's in jail, and he's writing back to them, and he's saying, I want you to have joy in your life. I want you to have joy in your serving me. And today, we're going to chapter 4, which is the end of the book of Philippians, or the letter to the Philippians, and And we're going to talk about living with joy in a stressed-out world. We live in a stressed-out world, don't we? And I guess you know that that tension itself exhibits itself. Uh, Tension comes from stress. And uh, stress is not always caused by the negative things. It can also be caused by some positive things in your life. For example, Mike Parker was recovering from a, a severe heart attack. The doctor said that there should be no excitement of any kind in his life. They needed to, uh, for a couple of months, and he repeated, none whatsoever. Uh, not too long after that, his wife found out they had won the lottery, $4 million, and she didn't know what to do. She was afraid to tell him and uh, afraid it would give him another heart attack. So after several days of worrying, she called her pastor up. She explained the situation asked him if he could come and help, and uh, he was very good at helping people handle grief and stress. So about an hour later, the pastor showed up at her house and went into the den where Mike was watching TV. He talked to him a few minutes, and then very calmly, the pastor leaned over and said, Mike, I have a problem, and I'd like your advice. Mike said, I'll do anything that I can for you, pastor. And the pastor took a deep breath and said, I have a, a, a question uh, a theoretical situation regarding Christian stewardship. I'm trying to figure out what a normal person would do if they were to come into $4 million. For instance, what would you do if you had that kind of money? And Mike never hesitated. He said, the first thing I would do is I would give $2 million to the church. And the pastor had a heart attack. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, stress. I don't know how you felt when you came to church this morning. Some of you may be on top of the world. Some of you may, uh, everything's going your way. It's, the weather's nice and, and getting nicer and uh, everything is wonderful. I hope that's the situation. For many people, 
uh, we didn't come feeling that way. There's stresses of everyday life. Some of you came with burdens and, and just stresses of life. And, and that's things we deal with. We deal with those kind of things every day. The truth is this morning, uh, you probably either have a little stress or under a little bit of stress or... Uh, you know someone that do that that is, and it's causing you to worry. It's causing you some stress. Just thinking about a situation that someone else is in, and stress is a word that's used to describe anxiety or worry. And worry is a synonym for anxiety. It comes from an old English word. Listen, that means to choke or to strangle something. And, and think about that. That's kind of what anxiety or stress or worry does, isn't it? It kind of chokes us. It kind of, it kind of strangles us. It, it keeps us bound up all the time. And the truth is, that's why it is a health issue, because it keeps you in such a, a situation of, of turmoil. And, and the problem with that, that, that stress is that's what worry and anxiety do. Is it, it does. It also robs our, our peace. It robs our uh, productivity. There's so many things it affects. It, it takes away our joy. And someone observed that, that worry in the Christian's life is probably the most popular sin because so many times we worry about things that we're not even particularly ashamed of it. We just, we just worry, and, and everybody knows. We don't disguise it or anything. Not that we should, but we just, we just worry out, out everywhere, and, and we just tell everyone about our worries. There's a little good in that, and there's a little bad in that. When we go back to joy, you know, involvement, affection with one another, and prayer for one another, when we have that burden, we need to, we need to share it with one another, we need to pray with one another about those things, but that can't just keep choking us out and holding us down. And that's what Paul addresses. And he gives us some insights on how to live in a stressful world, but living with joy. So if you start in verse 4, Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read through verse 9, and then we're going to go back and look at those scriptures again. Here's what Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men the Lord is at hand. And be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if, there's, if, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, think on those things. Meditate on those things, Paul says. And then verse 9 says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the peace of God will be with you. Now I want to jump up to verse 6, because verse 6 uh, kind of finds, uh, uh, overlays a general principle when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to worry. So when we look at verse 6, Paul says, worry about nothing, pray about everything. In other words, he says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. That's what Paul is telling us, and although we know that we shouldn't worry, it's not enough to be told, is it? If someone comes to you and you're worrying about something, they say, oh, don't worry about it. That don't help you really, does it? It's not enough to be told. Really, it's not enough for even for us to tell ourselves, stop worrying. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop worrying about these things. We are, however, prone to, to take the big things to God and worry about the little things. The problem with that is the little things unaddressed becomes the big things. So that's what Paul's pointing out to us. He's saying, hey, don't worry about anything. The big things, the small things, don't worry about any of those things, but rather pray about all of those things on, on, on all occasions. And, and he kind of gives us a simple truth that says this, do you want to worry less? Well, pray more. The problem is, and I'm saying with myself, and I'm not a big worrier. I'm really not. Uh, I, think, I think if you know me, and you've known me for a long time, you know I, I'm probably, maybe even to a fault, some of you will have a big worry, and, and uh, I just don't worry about it. I mean, it, it's, uh, I know at work they do that. My, bless my secretary's heart, I just love her to death, and she comes with this big old problem, and, and she just tells, oh, this and this and all this and that, and I'll say, I don't worry about it. Boy, she goes out of there. Is she mad, ladies, when she does that? All the ladies say yes. <laughs> Sometimes I go in and say, oh, I'll, let's talk about that some more. But I'm really kind of that, well, let's, just don't worry about it. Let's see, let's see where it gets to. Paul says, you want to worry less? Pray more. The problem is, do we really believe that? Do we really read this in God's Word and say, okay, I'm going to give this a try? More times than not, we don't. We'll say, okay, I heard all that. I heard Paul say, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. But hey, Paul don't know what I was dealing with. Paul don't know the struggle I'm in. And we decide, hey, I'm going to take this to God and I'm going to just keep on worrying about it. And, and for us to live with joy in a stressful world, that's what we're talking about. Our goal last week is restoring our joy. Our goal this week is to live in our joy in a stressful world. Paul says, I have these things. And, and there are several principles that are established here when we think about worrying about nothing and praying about everything. And Charles Swindoll, he puts, them, he puts three key words together in this from this passage, and I want us to look at those three words, and, and I want you to mark these down in the margins of your Bible, if you don't mind marking in your Bible. The first is this, he says, rejoice, that's verse 4. The second, he says, relax, that's verse 5. And lastly, he says, rest, that's verse 7. So these three principles, rejoice, verse 4, relax, verse 5, and rest, Verse 7, those are going to be my three points this morning, and those came from a book that's called Laugh Again by Charles Wendell. And, and first, we're told to rejoice. Look at verse 4, worry about nothing and pray about everything. Rejoice. Verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say it, rejoice. And that word rejoice means to be glad. To be glad in the Lord always. Paul says, hey, when we're thinking about living in a stressful world and we're thinking about, thinking about living in joy, we need to rejoice in the Lord. We need to, we need to rejoice about all things and in, in the Lord rejoice always. And, and after writing a few uh, members of the church at Philippi over in chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, he writes a few verses to them and then he reminds the church as a whole. He says, you need to rejoice. Now, that doesn't seem right, does it? For someone who's in prison, someone who's in chains, and he's writing the church, and he says, Church, it's important that you keep rejoicing. 
Keep being glad in the Lord. It's important that you follow through these things. I want to remind you again, what Paul, what's Paul talking about? He's talking about joy. He tells the church at Philippi, hey, I want you to restore your joy. And now he's coming to the end of his letter, and he says, look, I want you to keep rejoicing always. I want you to live in joy, and, and himself in prison, and his circumstances that he's in. He says, you know what, I'm living in joy. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Our inner attitudes, they don't have to reflect our outward circumstances. I mean, Paul, we could just go a, a year or two or sometime in the past, I've, I put a picture of a, of a Roman prison. And you know some of those prisons, if you'll remember this, they were in under the streets and there were, ga- there were grates over the hole and they lowered the prisoner down in the hole in the street. Now think about what falls in those holes. During that time, there were all kinds of livestock that walked the streets. The people drove their, their, their merchandise down the streets, spitting. You know, anybody ever spit on the street? You know, I, I went and took a, uh, when I went to seminary, they, they had me uh, fill out a, uh, one of those cross things where you put your personality, you know, you end up in one of the circles when you get it all filled out. What's that called? A California psychic? Achievement test, I think that's what it's called. Uh, I really do think that's what it's called. And one of the questions was, did it offend you if someone spits on the sidewalk? <laughs> it don't offend me. I don't know, it may offend some of y'all, but uh, anyway, I was off the chart over there time we got through. But, but, but think, about, think about what it would be like to be in a hole in the ground under the street. People knew there were prisoners down there. You think they were nice and friendly and and walked around? No, anything that could have fallen, all the stuff, all the debris that would fall in, that's where Paul was at. That's where he was at it during this time. And he says to them, my my outward circumstances, it's not affecting my inward joy. And he tells the church to rejoice in those things, rejoice in all circumstances. And he wants us to say, you know, regardless of our circumstances, we, we need to realize, I love what Paul says, and I, I say this all the time. Paul says, you know, I reckon the sufferings that I have today will never compare with the riches that await me in Christ Jesus. That's how he rejoiced. He knew he was in a prison. He knew where his fate was. He knew where he was headed. And he said, all of the things I'm dealing with today, they don't even compare what awaits me in Christ Jesus. So that's how Paul had the ideal of rejoicing. And think about this, when we rejoice, think of the value of rejoicing. On one hand, when we rejoice, it eliminates whining, doesn't it? If we're rejoicing, it eliminates whining, it minimizes pouting. If we're rejoicing, it's going to minimize our pouting. Rejoicing replaces self-pity. Rejoicing, it, it gives us a, a, a great lessons on understanding what we have and who we are and it eliminates those things. On the other hand, rejoicing increases hope, doesn't it? Isn't that how Paul was able to rejoice? He said, I have a hope that's way beyond this prison I'm in. And it increased his hope. Rejoicing refreshes the spirit within us. God's Spirit living within us, and we're in a bad circumstance, and we begin to be glad, we begin to rejoice. It refreshes that Spirit of God within us. Rejoicing validates our testimony. 
How many of you ever went and visited someone that had a terminal disease, or you know someone that was in a, uh, uh, some, has some kind of problem that, 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 that really might be terminal? And you leave there and you say, they're in the best spirit. They, boy, I left there and I felt better than I felt in years. You know why? Because that person has learned the secret of rejoicing in all circumstances. They, they rejoice because they realize something better awaits than what I'm in now. When you think about the choose to rejoice, I was thinking about what does it mean to rejoice? I think sometimes I do this. I just, we take a scripture and we begin to read it and we say, okay, it says rejoice. What does that mean? Well, here's what the dictionary says it means. To rejoice means to celebrate and be cheerful, to be delightful and to express joy, to be pleased and to be glad. Well, all of those definitions don't fit in all of our circumstances, does it? You know, if, we're, if we are a person that has a, a, a disease or we have a, a tragedy, we, we can't be glad in that, and, and we, we're not pleased in that. But you know what? If that person that we're talking about, and this person I was kind of using that example a while ago, if they, if they have that, that, that hope in a, in a resurrection, then, then inside we can rejoice in that, we can celebrate in that, we can be cheerful in that, and knowing that our time on earth, the Bible says it's just a, just a breath. It's going to be cold enough one of these days that you're going to go outside and you're going to breathe and out as you breathe, there's going to be a little mist up here and then it's just going to be gone. And that's what, that's what Paul says, that's our life. Or I think it's Peter that says that, maybe it's James. It's one of them in the New Testament that says that. But that, he says that's our life. It's just a mist that appears, just a vapor. I got time to tell a little story. Me and a guy at work wasn't seeing eye to eye one time. <laughs> and we were standing eye to eye, though, but we weren't seeing eye to eye. And uh, he was explaining to me why he didn't agree with my decision, and I was explaining to him why it didn't matter, but we was going to do it that way. And uh, this real jolly guy walks up, and, and he he actually... Walks up and it, and we're getting a little bit loud even and and he just goes like this and turns around and walks off and then after it was all over uh, I went over I said Paul where'd you go and he said you had steam coming out of your nose that far when you were talking <laughs> and I said that's not funny uh, but it is funny now that you look back on it but but our our circumstances that we're living in. Things that would rob us of our joy, they're just a vapor. And then they're gone. And Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always and again. I say rejoice. Here's the second thing Paul says. We're told to relax. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And verse 5 says, and let your gentleness be known to all men. That word translated gentleness here means easy going. Easy going. Let, just let your gentleness be known to all men. Relax. An easy going lifestyle. Lighten up. Paul tells the people at the church, he, he isn't telling Christians to put on some kind of 
kind of fake facade and go around and, and try to be something that they're not, some kind of superficial happiness and let everybody see those things. But he's saying lighten up a little bit. Re- relax in the Lord a little bit. I sing a song, I used to sing a song that, that says, We're sheltered in the arms of God, so let the storms rage high. And let the winds blow because I'm safely sheltered in the arms of God. And when we find ourselves sheltered in the arms of God, we can relax. You know, you, you hear stories about, about kids and, and they're scared about something and, and they reach up and they can take the hand of their father and all of a sudden they're relaxed. They, they, find, they find peace, they find comfort, they find something that they couldn't find any other way. And, and Paul says this, we need to relax in the Lord. We need to come to our Father, which the Bible says we can cry out, Abba, Father, which is a a term of endearment that means my dad. And we can go to our heavenly Father, our dad, and we can take him. And Paul says the Lord is at hand. In that second part of verse 5, the Lord is at hand. And we can relax in the Lord. If we want to live in a, a, a stressful world with joy, sometimes we need to just... Relax in the Lord. We need, to, we need to take the Lord by the hand which He is there and He is near. And we need to relax in the Lord. Here's the third thing. Paul says we need to rest. Do you ever just need to rest? I mean, you're going and you're going and you're going and you're worrying about things, you're, you're struggling with things, you're, you're trying to take care of circumstances and situations and, and at some point you just need to rest. Paul says if we want to live a a joyful life in a stressed out world, there's some time that we need to rest in verse 7. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Paul writes, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. In other words, Paul says, don't sweat it. Whatever trouble you're having, whatever situation you're in, with this anxiety attack or this weight of the burden of this problem that you have, as it, as it falls about on you, he says, look, take it to the Lord in prayer. And, and give it to the Lord in prayer. And 1 Peter 4, 7 says this, cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, take it to the Lord and give it to the Lord and find rest. Just find peace in Him. Find, find some rest in Him. Concerning this, again, Charles Wendell says, the more we practice giving our mental burdens to the Lord, the more exciting it gets to see how God will handle these things that are impossible for us to do anything about. The more we practice giving our mental burdens to the Lord, the more we say, okay, I didn't just hear those words Sunday. I'm going to put them into practice. I'm going to, I'm going to try some of these things the more excited we get about seeing how God will handle the things that's impossible for us to do anything about. You know, God doesn't promise to remove our burdens, does He? Christians, if, you, if you've heard someone stand up and say, you come to the Lord and all your problems are going to be gone, that is not true. You're going to have problems. Matter of fact, I believe the closer you get to the Lord, the more Satan's going to try to make you stumble. 
And therefore, the closer we get to the Lord, the closer we need to stay to the Lord. Because Satan is going to put all kinds of stepping stones, all kinds of tripping stones out in front of us. The Bible says, be aware of fiery darts that Satan is going to fling at you or he's going to shoot at you. That's going to cause you to stumble. Cast all your cares, all your anxiety upon him. And listen what it says. Here's the promise. Cast all your cares upon him, all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Now back over here in Philippians, look at verse 7. Maybe you need to underline verse 7. God doesn't promise he's going to remove our problems. He's not going to, doesn't promise he's going to uh, uh, take the, the cause of our anxiety away. But look what he promises. He promises peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and will guard your minds through Christ Jesus. Did you get that? Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Be anxious for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication, supplication with thanksgiving in your heart. Make these requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That term guard means exactly what you think it means. During this time, they had Roman soldiers who stood guard at the gates, and they, they walked back and forth across the, the gate, and, and their purpose was to guard the city, was to guard the, the gate, and, and, and day and night they were guarding the city. And Paul uses that example that these folks would have so much understood what a guard did. If we go to the Lord, if we cast our cares upon Him, if we're anxious about nothing, if we make our requests known to God, He's going to give us a peace, and then He's going to stand guard at our hearts. He guards our hearts because they're susceptible to wrong feelings. So God wants to guard our hearts. He guards our mind because they're susceptible to wrong thinking. So our feelings and our thinking, Paul says, cast those cares upon God and He's going to give you a peace and then He's going to guard your heart and your mind. You know, peace is not something that we can manufacture. It's not something we can buy. It's not something that we can earn. It's, it's, it's something that we get when we totally surrender ourselves to God. When we're totally surrendered to God, Paul says we can have the peace of God. And then he follows through and says that surpasses all understandings. If you would, real quick, if you go over to Romans chapter 5, I don't know if I got this scripture in. How do we have peace with God? Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, through Jesus Christ, through our faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. So how can I have that peace? Paul says, he and Paul wrote Romans, and he says, hey, since we're justified, set apart through the blood of Jesus Christ, as those we had never sinned, just as if we had never sinned, through our faith, we have peace with God. The Scripture reads this way, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can read that whole passage, through whom we've gained access by faith to His grace, which we now stand in, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so we, but also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character builds hope. Hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love in our hearts. 
by the Holy Spirit, which whom he has given us. Paul says this, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And when we have that peace of God, it surpasses all understanding. You ever seen someone that, that maybe they had a big situation in their life and, and uh, other people say, I just don't, I can't understand how they could face that. I can't understand how, how someone could lose a loved one and, 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 and come through it like they came through it. You can go right here and be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving in our heart, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses our human understanding, will guard your hearts and will guard your minds. That's how we see, folks, that we just cannot comprehend you know, on a, on a big passenger ship, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but uh, they can run out some uh, underwater stabilizers underneath the ship. And if the, if the sea is, is tossed and rolling, these, these stabilizers go down underneath, and you don't even know they're down there, but, but they help stabilize the ship. If you're on that ship, you'd be thankful for the stabilizers because uh, if you've never been seasick... Uh, they will help with that, but but stabilizers are are a uh, are what sustains a ship in rough seas. And when we read this, Christ's Spirit is our stabilizer in the gales of our life. When when storms rise up, and when winds tossing us, and when our circumstances are are beyond what we can imagine, then through Christ we have something that. That stabilizes us. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me, and I want you to think about this as we close in prayer. Imagine yourself being stabilized by the good news of Jesus Christ, by the gospel. The circumstances, they're still bad. They're still difficult. But when we can bring them before God and we can say, you know, I'm going to rejoice in the midst of this storm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast my cares upon the Lord. I'm going to find rest. You know, if we lived our life like that, and I, I'm talking about myself, if, if I could live every day of my life like that, just knowing that I can rejoice in the Lord always in, in every circumstance and every situation, you know, just knowing that I can find rest in the Lord in those, in those difficult times. Just to knowing that, that the Father is at hand and I can relax and be sheltered in the arms of God. That, folks, is how we can live joyful in a stressful world. Father, this morning as we consider your word today, Fathers, we consider where we are in you and what we have in you. I pray, Lord, that we would learn to say, as Paul said, I reckon the sufferings of the day will never compare to the riches that await us in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray today that we simply wouldn't try to put on a fake facade during our times of, of struggle, our times of anxiety, our times of worry. 
But Father, we would take your word, and as we find in restoring our joy, we would trust in you. And Father, we would bring those cares to you. We would give them to you. And Father, in that, we'd find rest. We'd find relaxation. And we would find ourselves rejoicing to you. Father, this morning I pray that your spirit would move among your people. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't merely be hearers of the word and so deceive ourselves. But, Father, we would be doers of your word. Lord, as we think about where we are today and realizing that time passes, Father, I pray that we could find strength as we walk with you and as you lead us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.